Hello and welcome to St Matt's Church. St Matt's is a warm and welcoming church situated in High Brooms on the edge of Tunbridge Wells in Kent. You can find out more about our church by visiting our website www.stmattschurch.org.uk Jesus welcomed everyone that came to him and we want to follow his example. So we extend a warm welcome to everyone, young or old, male or female, parent or child. You're all very welcome. No matter what your circumstances, we want to encourage you to join us, be that physically in the building, or via our Facebook page, YouTube channel, or through this podcast. In this service for Remembrance Day, Jill brings us our reading from John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17, and Chris speaks to us about finding God in conflict. But before that, let us just be still for a moment and pray. Lord, we just pray that you would open our ears so that we may hear your voice. Open our minds so that we may receive your eternal wisdom. Open our spirits so that we may know your leading and your guidance. And open our hearts so that we may receive your wonderful love. Amen. The reading this morning is taken from John 15 and its verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything I learned from my father I have made known to you. I did not choose you, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. It may look like it's very calm, but everyone is paddling frantically under the water to keep to a very strict list of timings this morning. Um, and that, unfortunately, also includes the vicar, <laughs> which might be challenging. I won't tell you how long I've got in case you kind of end up timing me and kind of contradict me, but there we go. Um, this term, uh, we've been thinking about finding God about finding God in the big picture of life, Um, this kind of post-COVID, not yet normal, will it ever be normal world, but also finding God kind of in the smaller picture of the different seasons that we find ourselves living our lives in, the personal circumstances that are kind of unique to us, um, as well as being part of that bigger picture. So today's Remembrance Sunday, and I want to keep that focus going. Um, Today, uh, I want to think about finding God in conflict. Um, 
And there's a little bit of me that wonders if that in itself is a bit of a contradiction. Um, Remembrance Sunday is rooted in history, but it seems to me that it is constantly being rewritten in the present. Um, It's rooted in history. We remember those who have died serving our nation in past conflicts. The two great wars, um, Korea, the Falklands, both of the Iraq wars, most recently Afghanistan, and you could add others as well. But we also do that in the light of the present. Um, there, There seem to be many occasions, too many occasions, when we've stood here to remember those who have died when we're actually doing it in the context of ongoing conflict. Um, I can remember standing here when we had troops dying in Afghanistan or in Iraq. It wasn't just talking about the past, but it was also talking about the present. Um, And for once, that's not the case. We're not directly involved in conflict. But it doesn't mean that conflict is absent from our world. Ukraine is permanently um, on our news and our government's done all it can possibly do to support the Ukrainian people short of actively becoming involved. Um, And there are so many other conflicts which seem to go underneath the radar. Um, It feels like wherever you go around the world there are communities that are torn apart by war and by conflict, but they don't get the airtime. You know, have we thought about Myanmar recently, where people are still dying fighting for democracy? Um, the Horn of Africa, Somalia, Ethiopia, Eritrea. Um, it is actually quite frightening to think that these hardly make headlines when actually the loss of life there dwarfs what's taken place in Ukraine. Over 800,000 fatalities and literally millions of people displaced. And then there's Yemen, there's Sudan, there's southern Sudan. Um, It's not possible to write a complete list. And at times I just wonder, who decides what's newsworthy? And also, who decides what our response should be? Um, We've rightly had incredible sympathy for the Ukrainians that have become refugees, exiles. But I'm not sure we felt the same sympathy, the same willingness to take people into our homes when it was people from Syria. It feels at times there's hypocrisy, both in what's reported and in how we respond to it. We've been rightly horrified at what we've seen unfolding before our eyes in Ukraine. And I guess part of it is that it's closer to home, that it feels all the more, all the more real, and that's normal. I, only, I don't know how many of you saw it, but I only caught the end of the documentary on Mariupol this week. And if I'm honest, I just found it hard to comprehend how people can live through what they live through. Um, it, it, to be underground and bombed for months on end, to not knowing whether you would ever see daylight again. Um, But if we're shocked by what we see, isn't it more shocking that actually 
there's so much that we don't see. So can we find God in conflict? Uh, Many would say that's a contradiction. You can't. Where is God in that? How can we believe in God in the light of such conflict? How do we make sense of a loving God in the face of so much human suffering? And it's not a new question. People have been asking it, um, not just for our whole of our lifetime, but beyond. I came across a poem this week from the First World War, not from Wilfred Owen this time, but from Seafried Sassoon. Um, I'll give you the title because it gives you the warning of what's coming. The t- poem was called Suicide in the Trenches. I knew a simple soldier boy who grinned at life in empty joy, slept soundly through the lonesome dark and whistled early with the lark. In winter trenches, cowed and glum, with crumps and lice and lack of rum, he put a a bullet through his brain. No one spoke of him again. You smug-faced crowds with kindling eye who cheer when soldier lads march by. Sneak home and pray you'll never know the hell where youth and laughter go. Many like Sassoon only saw hell where youth and laughter go. There's a lot of academic debate, if you haven't caught up on it, about the impact of the First World War on faith um, in Europe. Um, It was definitely a tipping point in the numbers attending church, although I think people would say possibly that was happening before the war. But certainly part of the impact of the Great War was people that were there couldn't reconcile what they lived through, what they saw, what happened to their comrades with any sort of belief in a loving God. So where is God in conflict? Where is God in such suffering? Our reading reminds us, greater love have no man than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. It's probably the reading most associated with this day of the year. Um, It's associated with those who have paid the price for our nation's security and safety, have given their lives for us. And 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 I'm sure it brings huge comfort to those that mourn a husband or a brother or a son who paid the ultimate price. Actually, a daughter now in these days when... War is, um, is open to all, sadly. There are no easy answers why one dies and another lives. Uh, there are also no easy answers to how humanity doesn't seem to learn the lessons of history, doesn't respond to the horrors of the past, um, how people can do these things to each other, and at times... Um, even in the name of patriotism, or even worse, in the name of God. One of the things I just struggle so much about with Ukraine at the moment is that there is two orthodox Christian people who are fighting each other in that way. 
and you know, it's not the first time. You know, in the First World War, it was the great Protestant countries of, of Britain and Germany that fought. Same in the Second World War. What's awful is when it's perpetrated to be in the name of God. So how do we make sense of this? There are two things I think we can hold on to, even if they don't necessarily give us nice, neat and tidy answers when we're confronted by these issues. And the first is actually about the nature of God, and I think the second is about the nature of the human heart. Um, To return to that verse, whilst it might bring comfort to those who mourn, it speaks of something even more profound than human sacrifice in conflict. It speaks of God's heart and God's nature, of where God is in this conflict, in every conflict. Because in speaking these words, Jesus is describing his own death. Um, Ultimately, he would fulfill the words he's spoken just the next day when he died on the cross. He would lay down his life for humanity. He would be on on the wrong end Um, of the military might of Rome and all that it could throw at him in terms of degradation, pain and suffering and ultimately death. He would be on the wrong end of human nature, of people that can do these things to each other and somehow live through it. So where is God? It seems to me God enters in. Paul, I think, puts it beautifully in Philippines. He says to the Philippine church, you should have the same mindset as Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant being found in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Where is God? God is in human likeness. God enters in to the brokenness of the world in the form of his son, He enters into the suffering of humanity and he carries its sin and its brokenness on the cross. And he offers hope. Hope in the darkness. Okay, but what about humanity? It seems to me that the human heart can conceive sometimes of the greatest wickedness but can also show the greatest love. And I want to draw to a close with another example, this time from the Second World War, uh, and a Polish Franciscan monk called Maximilian Kolbe. When the Germans invaded Poland, Kolbe and his fellow Franciscans spoke out against their occupation. They published pamphlets and they became kind of a source of opposition to the new kind of German um, occupiers. Um, 
They didn't just use words, but they, but they used actions. They hid and they shielded over 3,000 Polish refugees and Jewish people. Um, not surprisingly, you couldn't do that indefinitely. Eventually, he was arrested and he was sent to Auschwitz, where he was put to work in a work camp. Because he was a priest or a monk, um, he seemed to be singled out for more mistreatment and was often beaten. We began, and we've had this question running through what I've been saying, um, that question of where is God in conflict? Um, and here I find an answer in a letter from Colby to his mother. He writes from Auschwitz, Dear Mama, at the end of May, I was transferred to the camp at Auschwitz. Everything is well in my regard. Be tranquil about me and about my health. Because the good God is everywhere and provides for everything with love. It will be well that you do not write to me until you have received other news from me. Because I do not know how long I will stay here. Cordial greetings and kisses. Affectionately, Raymond. He became Maximilian when he became a monk. <laughs> Just what incredible love for his mother. Spoken out of so much suffering. Utterly remarkable. And yet it's not just words. Um, while he was there, a prisoner escaped from Auschwitz. And as was often the case, there was retribution for that escape. The deputy commander ordered ten men um, to be starved to death in an underground bank bunker as an example and as a warning for others not to try and escape. Um, and so ten men were gathered up randomly and chosen. Um, and one of those who was chosen cried out for mercy because of not being able to be there in the future for his family. My wife, my children, and he begged to be not put in the bunker. Colby was not chosen, but he offered to take his place. And somehow, because they're not known for kindness, are they? But the, but the commandant allowed him to swap places with the man with the family. And Colby joined the other nine in the bunker. And through his presence there, and perhaps, dare I say, God's presence there, that bunker became not just a place of death, but a place of prayer. Those condemned were heard singing and praying until they were too weak to continue. I can't pronounce his name. I'm really sorry. I'll give you the first name. I can get close to that, but I can't pronounce the name. Francis Zeck, and I can't pronounce the surname. The man whose place Colby took survived the war. And these are his words. I could only thank him with my eyes. I was stunned and could hardly grasp what was going on. The immensity of it. I, the condemned, am to live. 
and someone else willingly and voluntary offers his life for me, a stranger. Is this some dream? I was put back in my place without ever having time to say anything to Maximilian. I was saved and I owe to him the fact that I could tell you of all this. The news quickly spread all around the camp. It was the first and the last time that such an incident happened in Auschwitz. Um, Just an aside, um, it shows the best and the worst of humanity, doesn't it, in one event? It, It shows the greatness of love and human sacrifice. And yet also it is like a word for word picture of what Jesus does for us when he comes and takes our place. Colby lived out what he believed in his life. In war we see the worst of humanity, but possibly we also see the best of it. So where is God in conflict? I think it's perhaps not comfortable, but Maximilian Colby answers it best. The good God is everywhere. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and found it useful. Don't forget you can find out more about St Matt's Church on our website www.stmattschurch.org.uk Our Sunday morning services are streamed live on our Facebook page and also on YouTube at 10am every Sunday. You can find our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com forward slash We look forward to welcoming you to one of our services or podcasts soon.
generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. May His favor be upon you and a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, and their children. And their children, may His presence go before you, and behind you, and beside you, all around you, and within you. He is with you. He is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you. He is for you. Ah. Oh.